What's up, Boom Fam? This is Candace. All right, before we get into this episode today, the conversation from this episode can absolutely be continued over on the Boom Community Facebook group. So if you're in the Facebook group, head over there and let's keep the conversation going. If you hear something that you want to comment on, something that was powerful or something that you even might want to challenge, head over to the Facebook group and let's get some conversation, some dialogue going. That's exactly why or one of the reasons why that that group was even created. And if you're not a part of the Boone Community Facebook group, head over to Facebook and join the group. But if you want to know more about Boone, go to theboonecommunity.com. Now, one more note about today's episode. Now, this conversation, oh my goodness, it was so incredibly powerful. You're going to hear it in just a second. But we had some major technical challenges while recording. But the pure power of this episode just will not let us keep it to ourselves. It is that Good. So we just want to apologize in advance for any audio glitches that you might hear. Now, it doesn't interfere with the integrity of the conversation or being able to follow it, anything like that. The audio in some places just is not as clear as we would really like for it to be. All right. Now, on to this episode of the Boom Podcast, where we Black Next Gen Thought Leaders discuss Black Next Gen Ministry. everybody welcome to the boom podcast we're talking black next gen ministry i'm candace Wynn, and i'm joined here today with my boy robert hervey what's up bro what's going on I, uh we, we we getting used to this like i'm i'm hearing good feedback from the podcast and everything and so, yeah you know, we got so people binge watching while they wash the dishes and stuff you know this is good stuff come through binge listening yeah, yeah, this is great yes i'm happy to be here again that's cool. That's cool. And, you know, Lee, we're going to jump in and introduce you, Pastor Lee, in a second. But for those of y'all who have been following on along on our journey, so we started this journey with a mini series podcast. And my brother Pervy said that the people wanted the song. Okay. They said, he said, the people want the song. The people want the song. So, we decided to turn this mini series podcast into not quite a weekly podcast, but what we can do is we can give you an episode once a month. So at the top of every month, you're going to get a brand new episode about whatever the topic is that we're diving into within our Facebook group, just to allow it to help spark some conversation. This conversation today is it's not quite a bonus episode, but it's kind of like a bonus episode because the month of July, we've been talking about mission and purpose in our Facebook group. And at first, because, hey, this episode of how the miniseries podcast episodes were kind of laid out. At first, I was like, well, let's not do an episode for mission and purpose. But then I really, really thought about it. And I was thinking about it and I was praying about it. And then I realized, yo, we have somebody on Boone's board who has committed himself and really, really leans into the power of purpose and has committed his, himself and his life to helping people to discover their purpose. And that's who we have here. We have Pastor Lee Wilson in the house with us today. Hey, Pastor Lee. Hey, what's going on? I'm so glad to be here, Candace. Thank you for having me. And um, this this is exciting when I get to be with others who have the same desire and drive in their life, but especially when we're talking about purpose. Yeah, that's that, that, that's so real. I mean, I think purpose is one of those conversations where 
it's just like, it's so big because it's so complex because we ministry leaders, we have a personal purpose or a calling or a vocation that we're pursuing. And then we have the privilege of walking alongside children and youth and teens and helping them to discover their personal purpose and their calling in life. And we're going to jump in, um, jump into some of that, some of that conversation today. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited about the conversation because um, we we all have our vocations and our gifting has allowed us to be in church settings. And so one thing that I'm excited to talk about is how we, we have to help our teens realize that your gifting doesn't box you into the church walls, but you can be a Christian in the marketplace and whatever you do and how that works. And so I'm excited for leaders to hear this podcast because you need to learn how to uh, teach and tailor your teens to understand that every gift they have can be used in church, but it's not just for the church because there's somebody in culture that needs to be touched by your gift. So I'm excited to see um, and hear what comes from this conversation uh, because Pastor Lee, you've been doing this a long time. You, you're an OG out here. You, you, you're a legend in these, in these, in these ministry streets. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I've been at it for 41 years now going on 42 years. Wow. So, mm. and, I, and don't, and don't even, feel like that. Uh, just like I honestly, and I, in all reality, we're just starting over or just getting started. Let's put it that way. But yeah, I've been doing it for 41 years and not tired at all. And I've only mm-hmm. been in for 20 and I got the gray and you don't. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I got a glean from you. I'm doing something wrong, man. You know, if I, <laughs> half the time, well, all you know, gray, here's the you deal. Know? I can't, I cannot grow a mustache or a beard. I don't know why. Um, both of my brothers and my family does. Um, and I don't, I, you know, I think God meant for me to do this the way we've been doing it. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I don't, don't have all the grays yet. Uh, they want to, I see them every now and then and I just, I'm keeping them a little, I'm keeping them down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I tried to keep mine down. They said, no, sir. You so, you know, they yeah. came out. <laughs> It looked yeah. good though, man. You you wear well. That's all I'm I gonna say. I probably, I, yeah, you, yeah. That's I used to always admire uh, BB Winans. Like he had the best beard, but yeah. man, you 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 up there, you up there. You. I appreciate. <laughs> it looked like he just got it. Got it. I did. Up today. I so did. He just came to the barbershop. That's why I was running late. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you had to look good for the gram, huh? For the podcast, I got to preach this Sunday. You know a lot going on. You got to be, you got to look good. People got cameras and pictures and stuff these days. So you got to make sure you, you look mm. right. You know, don't want to look. Yeah. I got you. I got you. So Lee, tell us, tell us a little bit about your book. You got a book called Map Your Life, where it helps people to discover, you know, live with intentionality, right? Tell us yeah. a little bit about, about, you know, about the book and some inspiration. What was your inspiration behind writing it? Well, believe it or not, uh, the inspiration came out of the pandemic, um, uh, at the time I was living in New York, um, things that shut down and we were truly shut down in New York. And one day, um, uh, so I had to shift everything working out of my basement there from the office and day to day. And I just happened to be online and I'm just watching how everybody's commenting and talking about the, um, the pandemic, kind of what they're doing. No one can go outside. No one can be around one another. And I started just seeing all of these posts from young people really that I knew um, that were inside of my feed. And I just didn't like what I was seeing. And it was just frustrating to me. And like, why are they, you know, saying these things, adapting to these things? And I just got frustrated, honestly. And I heard in my heart, um, the Lord say, do something about it. And I'm like, what can I do? I mean, I'm in my basement. Everybody's, uh, you know, we're locked down, can't do anything. 
And then I heard in my heart, the Lord said, write the book I told you to write. And I'm like, wow, out of all times and all places in the shutdown, write a book. Like that didn't really have any, I didn't know kind of what I was going to do, how I was going to pay for it. And what came out of it, the book, I just started writing this, some things concerning my uh, purpose. And one of the things that stood out to me was that y- the young people of this generation needed a map. They needed something, some directions that would help them get from where they are to where they're supposed to be. And so that's why we titled mm-hmm. the book, Map Your Life, Getting From Here to mm-hmm. There. And um, and I was reminded of my first time being at the Mall of America in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, the largest mall in America. And I remember walking into this mall and like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. You know, um, couldn't get anywhere. I didn't know where to go. And so I went to this directory and on the directory, it just reminded me, you are here. And if you wanted to get from here, mm-hmm to get to over because I wanted to go to the Nike store. I love, you know, sneakers and uh, shoes. And, um, and so it was way in, in most malls, it would be like right around the corner and this mall is out of town, you know, on the other <laughs> side of town. And, and, um, and so, and that just reminded me, God reminded me that, you know, where is your here place? And so we, out of that, we began to take this journey of mapping your life, getting from here to there. And one of the first things you have to realize is, you know, a lot of times people are looking more about where's there, but you have to identify where you are here. And that. that's in life, that's in ministry, that's in um, anything, because we often don't want to acknowledge where we are, but you'll never get to where you're going if you don't acknowledge where you are. Yes, sir. I, I I absolutely love that. And you said it so eloquently, and I, I hope leaders and anybody watching the podcast, hears what you said. Like you are here. You have to know where you are to know where you're going. So when, when did you discover you're here? Like, 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 sure. cause I know you, you, you preach and you speak to teens and you travel the country, but, but where was your here? When did you realize um, that there was a calling and purpose on your life that will lead you down the path you've been on for 40, 41 years. That's amazing. Sure. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Houston, Texas, uh, which is where we're located at now and where we live and reside. And it's my hometown. And um, I was 13 years old um, living in the projects uh, here in Houston in an apartment complex called The Village. It's called Yale Village, but we call it The Village. And um, one day this church came over, uh, as they do all the time in, in the projects and in the summer. And uh, this church bus came over and they started going out through the community and preaching to people and, and witnessing the people. And, um, and a guy come on to the basketball court, my friends and I we were playing basketball in the summer. He comes onto the basketball court and just like talking to us, say, Hey guys, can you give Jesus five minutes of your life? We pretty much ignored him. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, we were ignoring him and he literally just walked in the game and kind of rebound the ball. Somebody shot the ball. He rebounds it and um, and takes the ball. And we're like, man, what is going on? And do begin to run. We chasing him. True story. And and I can imagine people saying, look, these guys running to get Jesus. No, we was running to get this guy with our ball. And we get over <laughs> and he runs over to this to, in the middle. <laughs> this is a true story, man. I'm not even exaggerating. here. He runs into this circle that we didn't even know that was happening because people had been going all around the apartments. Now we know what it was. It was door to door evangelism and just talking to people. And, um, and it was this circle. We get over to the circle 
And the preacher in the middle says, I want you to grab somebody's hand on the right, grab somebody's hand on the left. We're going to pray. And at 13 years old, standing there, with, along with which I didn't know, my two sisters and my brother at the time all uh, prayed to receive Jesus into our heart at 13. And uh, that was the beginning of the journey. We started going to church on the church bus every Sunday. And it was a uh, two years later, almost three years later, um, that same mom always made us go to church. Uh, my mom and my dad always made us go to church every Sunday and didn't really understand that because they never went. And I'm like, if church is so good, why don't you go? But I just kept that in my mind. I never said it out loud. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So we kept going and they had a revival that, and on a, on a summer night, uh, three years later, did a revival and I'm sitting there three nights in a row. God speaks to my heart to tell me to go up to the altar. At the time it was, they, they, they didn't call it the altar call. They call it, you know, the doors of the church are open. They put that chair yes, down sir. and, <laughs> and right. um, I went two I went two nights in a row, I uh, went up. And basically just said, God just told me to come here and just, you know, tell you all that I love him. And the third night that I go up and I don't even know why I said these words other than God. I hear the words, God wants me to be his witness and to tell people uh, how to receive. And so at 16 years old, I accepted the call of God on my life. And the rest is history uh, in terms of the journey that God took me on. And that's where my purpose really began to burn in me at 16 and, and began to tell others about the, the goodness of God. And, and my desire at the time was to, I wanted everybody in my age bracket, everybody in my, in my inner circle, I wanted them to have the, the excitement I had for God. And so I just, I just started preaching to my friends before I ever preached to the world. Mm. So mm. But isn't, isn't it, isn't it something though, real quick, isn't it something how like, I think your passion for teens is yeah. when you get called as a teen, right? Cause like you yeah. just, as a teen. Yeah. you know, you remember that moment, right? I do without a doubt, man. I wanted my friends to have what I had mm. and I, I went about it the wrong way at first, man. I judged everything they did. You know, if somebody <laughs> Somebody mm. thought about cussing. I called them, you know, that's the devil. I mean, I was just, man, I was super spiritual, but it came from a right place. It was just a yeah. wrong approach. Mm -hmm. But eventually I led every single one of my friends to the Lord, every mm. single one of them, all of my inner circle, all received God. Because as I went on from 16 to 17 to 19 to, you know, uh, now, you know, 57 years old, <clears throat> I, uh, you know, just been doing the same thing the same way and talking about God and talking about purpose and, and, and vision. That's so dope. You know, like that's, I mean, I'm sitting here just like, I got chill bumps just listening to your story because it's for that very reason that I love working with youth is because we have no idea as ministry leaders, we have no clue what they're going to grow up as become. You know, right. we have no idea who the students are that are in our ministries, who they're going to grow up to become. I remember feeling my call to ministry at nine years old, right? I was mm. nine years old the first time I felt my call to ministry. And no one really helped even entertain me with the conversation to really help me to discern what I was feeling and what was going on. It was like, hey, we're going to pray over you. Now you go back to your seat and it's over, right? But the, the, but the way that, you know, like you really, really just took 
ownership of that. You know, you were a bit older than I was too, but you just took ownership of that. And look where it's taking you. You know, it's 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's taking you to to some amazing places. You know, um, before we started recording, you were talking about all the places that you have been just in the last week and all the places that you're going in the next week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and we kind of jumped the gun a little bit. So tell us a little bit about what that journey has been like for you in ministry. Like, I mean, like, how have you seen um, your, your, your calling or your purpose kind of shift and tell us a little bit, little bit about some of the things that you've done over the years. Wow. Um, I don't know if time allows us. And I, sometimes I, I kind of, <laughs> I, you know, just yesterday I was doing this leadership training and as I was talking about the things that God has taken me on, I realized that I said this statement, I said, I didn't really put everything together. Uh, until recently, all the things that we have been a part of from churches and different roles and positions I played in the local church, I kind of had my head down mm-hmm. um, just doing what God told me to do. And now I look up and here I am. Uh, you know, I've been a, you know, I've been a children's pastor, a youth pastor, a senior pastor, executive pastor, a worship leader. Uh, I, you know, and I can go also go to some of the most important ministries within the church. I clean toilets, I cut the grass, <laughs> yeah. I paint it, I ran errands. Those are the, those are the, the you know, the you things go. that, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, the, the most important right. ones because that's what get you to got, you know, um, <clears throat> the thing about is being faithful where God call you and faithfulness is something that people hear, but a lot of people don't, uh, don't finish mm-hmm. and it's finishing the faithfulness being having f- f- what I what I call um, finish faithfulness. Finish faithfulness is such a powerful thing that you don't rarely hear because we're constantly looking for what's wow. next. We want to know what's next, and so and I often tell people, I tell leaders this, and I say this to every person that's listening to this now: your youth pastor, or youth leader, or youth director, or whatever it is you're doing. You want to know what God's will for your life is? I know what God's will is for your life. And that's a bold statement to say. But God's will for our life is the last thing God told us, mm-hmm. period. And, wait, and wait, 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 not wait, what wait, I wait. think, not what say I it, see. Say it again. <laughs> say God's will for your life. Say that one more time. God's will for your life is the last thing God wow. told you. So what did you last say? that God told you to do. Mm. Did God tell you to minister to those teenagers in that Sunday Bible school class and not try to go to the next church, the big thing here and there? And one of the reasons a lot of people don't accomplish the purpose, the ultimate purpose that God has for their life, because they didn't finish the last thing God told them. Oh, wait, 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 wait. wait. That's so real, because think about how many people are so... Trying to, so eager to advance to the next and trying to climb to this and climb to that. But yet you're being completely irresponsible with what it is that you have right here or you haven't necessarily finished it. Maybe you're not being irresponsible, but your assignment isn't over yet. But sometimes we get so uncomfortable, no, no. so dissatisfied where we are because we see what other people are doing. We see you. Hey, he was traveling here last week. He'll be here next week. You know, he's doing all of these different things. And like, hey, that's aspirational. That's what I want. And there's nothing wrong with having dreams and there's nothing wrong with having goals, but you can't get there. If you don't finish the assignment that you're in right now, now that's a word, Pastor Lee, right there. Yeah. So the things I'm doing right now, (laughs) the things I'm doing right now, I planted the seed for 30, 35 years ago. And it didn't just happen. And it's not going to just happen for you. And you have to be faithful. You got to be faithful, 
to the call of God. And I, I look back and I was, and I am still, I'm faithful right now for what God told me now. And so I think, and I say faithful is I served my local church. I served my pastor. I did whatever needed to be done to do, not because I was looking at this position I wanted to be in, but I'm like, this is, you know, I'm going to say it this way. If you're, whatever you're doing right now that you believe God's called you to do, you've got to be willing. You got to have the heart that if this is the last thing I ever do on planet earth, you got to be satisfied to the fullness right now. Like if all I'm doing right now is teaching to kids in Sunday school, that's the assignment that God has on my life to the end of my life. I'm okay with it. And it's often when you're doing that, that God is preparing what's next for you because he sees that you are ready. I thought I was ready to do this 25 years ago. Mm. I thought I was ready to be where I'm at right now. I wasn't. And mm. you asked me then, I was like, yeah, I'm ready. And and it's just people, they, they're missing God. You know, <laughs> they, they're not being obedient and inviting me or having me or, or hiring me. Uh, I wasn't ready. Uh, and a lot of people think they're ready, just like they think they're mar- ready for marriage. Mm. They think they're ready for children. They think they're ready for ministry. Matter of fact, you think you're ready for ministry, um, you know, you have no idea. You have no idea what you're wanting when you say, I want to be in full-time That's ministry. It. You better be careful what you say and ask for. I'm telling you, uh, you know, they ain't ready. I, they ain't I, ready. They I ain't ready. I, I, don't want, I don't want to do the rest of the podcast, Candace. Just come out. <laughs> you, just, you just put your phone down my camera from off. typing a note about the Cut my camera off. This is, I'm so serious because here's the thing. I'm going to go left and come back right real quick. I love talking to leaders who have been in it longer than I have. I tell leaders this all the time. Mm -hmm. I glean from Mm -hmm. leaders who've done it longer than I have. Because when you hear wisdom like that, Mm -hmm. like, like you can't help but to hold on to it and become more, not complacent, but to become confident in where God has you. Okay. I'm here. I'm here. I got, I said, since I'm here, I got work to do. Like, like yep. I still have right. work to do in this place before I get to the next one, because I got to be honest, sometimes I'm all gas. I'm an all gas personality. And sometimes I'm always looking to see what's next. I'm missing what's happening mm. now. Mm. Right. And so mm-hmm. if I can, if I can take that lesson into my forties, I think I'll be all right. Pastor Lee. I think- <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. In the process of it, you're going to make mistakes. And a lot of times we make mistakes and we we miss it and we just, we punish ourselves. But I learned there's so much, there's so uh, much fruit in my mistakes, in my failures mm. that position me to, to do what I'm doing now. So, I, you know, I honestly think, you know, I would love to one time, and I never thought about it till now. I would love to do an entire session and training on the mistakes I've made in ministry. Um, I, I, mm. I will guarantee you I've had more mistakes that I have made and mess ups and misses in ministry than I have had with all of the so-called successes. And, and, and it's the six mm. and, and it's a lot of times we, we try to um, down downsize or overlook the the misses and the mistakes and the mess ups. I learned so much in those in those seasons, uh, and that's where my faithfulness came from. And you know, 
The other piece of it, how do you stay somewhere where you feel frustrated? You feel like you're ready to go next and whatever. One of the things that I did and still do, and my pastor and my mentor uh, taught me was to keep your heart right with God. Yeah. I want to just encourage you to keep your heart right with God. And I see a lot of people, they say they're with God, but are your, is your heart right with him? Because mm. if your heart's right with him, he will, you know, that's where he, you know, his grace comes in, in terms of the mistakes, the mess ups, the misses, uh, yeah. the frustrations are, are covered. The, um, man, just like, I'm ready to do what's next. I want to do what's next. I'm tired of this job. I'm tired of, you know, there's somebody right now, they're anointed of God. And mm. right now they're driving a UPS truck mm. and they have a call in their life to reach the next generation. And they're frustrated, man, keep your heart right with God. Mm. Keep your heart right with God. He will arrange every situation and circumstance that's critical for your future and your purpose. But you've got to keep your heart right. Be faithful in that truck. Be faithful in that warehouse. Be faithful in driving the van or whatever it is you're doing. Be faithful. Um, I believe the most anointed ministers of the to this next generation are not full-time right now. And they're not in full-time ministry right now. Only a few of us yeah. get this opportunity. Um, uh, most of them are working mm-hmm. somewhere else and they're frustrated and I get it. But I just want to encourage you, my brother, my mm-hmm. sister, don't give up. We need you. So true. Hmm. That is real. You know, thinking about the mistakes piece, you know, it, mistakes can be embarrassing. And sometimes people yeah. make mistakes and they'll sometimes um, will feel like it's, you know, I mean, yeah, it might have been your fault. Right. But it's also a learning opportunity. And sometimes I, what I've seen is, you know, and I've done this too, you know, try to hide your mistakes. You know, and and not necessarily really say, hey, this is the mistake I made. This is the error I made because we because it's embarrassing, you know, but the more that we can be honest and be vulnerable and be transparent with with whoever your safe people are around you about the errors that you make, then I think it is a great opportunity for growth and even improvement in um, in our mistakes and being able to just see the glory and what God is trying to teach you through all those different lessons and all those different mistakes that we made. I was fired so much um, in my early years <laughs> uh, from I was recalling uh, how many times I've been fired um, in ministry and uh, but I kept my heart right and God was able to honor those things. And every time out of that process of failures, of mistakes, uh, my heart being right, God was able to, you know, teach me through those moments. I learned the life lessons through those moments and it, mm-hmm. it positioned me to be in the next place. And, um, and I just, um, and I, I think that way now, you know, I think that way now in marriage, I think that way now in leadership and pastoring and life. Um, I, I don't stop. I just keep going. And I, but I look at that too, though, when it comes to, to, you know, there's, there's that there's God's perfect will and then you have God's permissive will, Right. So, you know, yes. God's perfect will is the, thing, the things that God desires for us. And then you have the permissive will are things that God allows to happen. God permits to happen, even though it might not be aligned with what God ultimately wants for us. But it's like, hey, because we have free will, we sometimes end up navigating through that permissive will. 
And what God, what I've experienced in my life is when I have been walking in that permissive will, you know, sometimes God will let me walk for a little bit, but then all of a sudden, if I've been given a, given a word that it's time to go left or it's time to go right. And if I'm not obedient, I've noticed that God will start slamming some doors in my face or God will start making some things happen that just don't make sense. Right. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. you said this yesterday, but you're saying this today. And I still got to show up to work and do it. I'm confused about this. And, you know, just all kind of things will happen to really just start pushing me beyond my comfort zone, because sometimes we, we choose the permissive wheel because it's comfortable and it feels safe. Sure. And it's what we know. Mm, yeah. But stepping into that, yeah. that perfect wheel, it can be scary. You know, like you can't even dream it up. Like, because it's one of those things where it's just an obedience journey towards God. Yeah. So, you know, as we talk about purpose, I used to think about purpose in terms of my own goals, my own assignment and calling on my life and giftings and talents. Um, And then I got uh, a revelation one one day out of uh, where true purpose starts. And this is not going to be comfortable for a lot of people to hear. Loving God on purpose opens the door to your purpose. What is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied to them, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Or we can say it this way. This is the first and greatest mm. purpose in life. And out of that, God gave me this this you know, just peace. Um, and I would say revelation of loving God on purpose. When you love God on purpose, God loves you to your purpose. It opens the door to your purpose. Mm -hmm. And so you have to continually to put him first, loving God on purpose opens the door to your purpose, but you got to love him first and most more than anything else. You got to love him first and most. And when you do that, the purpose for your life becomes easy. But so many people take their purpose to God and say, God, I need you to make my purpose happen. And God is like, my purpose for your life is to love me first and most. And when we do that, it's like, wow. Like when you focus on that, um, uh, here's a personal you know, example of that. I remember having such bad credit. My credit was bad, like really, really bad <laughs> that I was, it was embarrassing. People laugh at you when you go try to get, you know, a loan or a car. And I remember just trying to, how can I get my credit to be better? I want my credit to be better. And there's a lot of, you know, um, real true principles out there to, to help you get your credit better and all of your credit score up. Cause that was what, you know, I thought success was. And in a lot of ways it does help you. But when I started just focusing on the real, like managing my money, being wise with what I was doing, um, not overspending, not driving more than I can afford, living more than I can afford, I just started doing the right things and focusing on the right things. And before you know it, I had one of the best credit scores you can ever have in in America because my focus was not on the credit score. My focus was on doing right with the finances that I had and keeping my heart right there. And and next thing you know, I go one day and realize, oh my gosh, I got the best credit score anybody would want. Um, And I believe the same is with purpose. Purpose is not about the status, the position, the title, 
the, you know, all the things that people look to. Purpose is about loving God first and most. You love him the most, you love him first, your purpose, whatever it is, is going to happen because God now know he can trust you. You've been faithful with what I put before you. And that's just loving me and loving him through worship, loving him through, um, you know, kindness, loving him through prayer, loving him through serving other people, loving him first and most opens the door to the purpose he has for you personally. So, so how, how have you, um, and this will help some leaders watching uh, and listening today. How have you translated that to help leaders guide teens and kids into finding their purpose? Because we, like we talked about earlier in the show, how we, we have a tendency to push and box kids into ministry, but uh, at, at in the church. But how do we make this purpose uh, real to them to realize that they are the church no matter where they work, whether they're driving the UPS truck, the mailman, working at a fast food restaurant, at their school, wherever they are, how do we make, how do we help leaders help students discover their purpose outside of becoming a pastor or becoming a church leader? How, how does that, how have you seen that work over your years in ministry? Mm-hmm. So one thing I will say, and as I've been in youth ministry for years, teenagers are the same the, I've been now four decades uh, actually preaching to teenagers, and I've seen teenagers are the same people. Here's the thing. The Bible says in Acts 2.17 that in the last days, I says, I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. The very first people he mentioned were the sons and the daughters. They shall prophesy. They, they shall see visions. The old men shall have dreams. So I believe, to answer your question, it starts with me being incredibly real. I'm, I share my story. My story is my story. And everyone loves a good story. And my story, as I begin to share with young people, keeping it real, we've heard all these terminologies, keeping it real. What's your testimony? What's your story? That's where it starts. Don't try to be someone else. Be you. Your story is so powerful for a young person to hear. And your journey of mistakes, your journey of failures, your journey of repentance, journey of salvation. And those things kind of help. And, you know, not trying to dress like teenagers. You don't reach teenagers trying to be like them. Matter of fact, you can't keep well, up with them. It, it's, it's, it, uh, no, nah, man, uh, you know, teenagers haven't changed, but I will tell you culture has and the culture yeah. and method has just me over the years. I, I'm the same person. And I use teenagers, uh, not in the sense of a negative way, but teenagers help me realize if I still got it. Like mm. when I stand before <laughs> the teenagers, like I'm going to do this week um, at 57 years old, first thing I say to them is not my age. I don't say my age. You know, I stand and I'm like, okay, if I can preach to teenagers today, then right. you still got it. They're the right. gauge to me. And I think the way it's just keeping it real, being honest, not try to preach over their heads, not, you know, um, you know, because they can smell fakeness. Right. They can right. smell it mm-hmm. like they know when you're real. They yeah. know when you're real, man. Yeah. And I think that that's what's important, are being authentic um, with young people, not trying to have the best ideas and the best message and the best be the best preacher. Be the best you. And that helps. Uh, the best version of you 
And even the worst version of you is the, one of the best ways to reach this generation. Yeah. Mm. You know, I think that that's so good that you said you're talking about, you know, being willing to be transparent and being willing to be authentic. Because I think that that can that's an area that I feel like within our church that we could probably do a better job at. You know, I feel like it's one of those places where because we have historically placed pastors on a pedestal. Right. Um, Pastors. I don't know how many pastors feel they have the permission to be vulnerable or to be transparent or to talk about what's really happening in their lives. But I feel like when we are vulnerable and when we are transparent and when we are authentic, that creates a, a, a stronger bridge than anything, because people realize that, hey, you are going through these things, too. You experience real life too, yet at the same time, you still have a strong faith. And that right there is an ultimate model of how to live out our faith. And it can show people in a different kind of way how to keep showing up every day, how to keep walking in purpose, how to keep walking in your calling, how to keep doing what it is that God has called you to do every day, you know, by allowing ourselves to take a moment and just be like, hey, this is what's going on. Now, I'm not saying that we need to get up in the pulpit and bleed all over the pulpit and cry and whine and tell every aspect and every detail and every nook. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that the more we are able to be vulnerable and to be transparent um, with our congregation, whether it's teens or youth or even adults, even, you know, the the, the better people are able to to have more confidence because we can see somebody and think that the pastor got it all together and think that the pastor, you know, it, um, is exempt from experiencing hardship. And that's a lie. That's a yeah. lie. It's one of those things. It's like I tell leaders, if you get in his word, he'll give you a word, right? But mm-hmm. if you That's if right. you try to have a word without knowing his word, you're not effective. And I think a lot of leaders mm-hmm. have to know um, right. that it, it, it comes with staying in his word, knowing what God says about you, knowing his promises for you, and knowing what he said in his word about you, then you can relate that word to teens. But what happens is we have leaders who don't know the word and they try to use their words. And that's where frustration comes in. Because your, your words have mm. no power. None. So Mm-mm. true. None. <laughs> None. None at all. None at all. Yeah. That was a guy that said something to me years ago when I wanted to preach and I wanted to minister to young people. But the doors weren't opening. The opportunities weren't happening. And he says, Lee, put the word of God in your heart now when you don't need it. So it will be there for you when you do need it. And uh, that is something that has just rung in my heart. Mm-hmm. So as I prepare a message, I'm not necessarily there's some of my best messages were written 20 years ago, mm-hmm. um, meaning the word that I studied 20 years ago and really made it a part of my daily lifestyle. And I found that that incorporated with my my struggles, my sins, my successes, um, all of that. And as the Lord leads um, and the, and the Holy Spirit comforting me to be um, vulnerable enough to share that, you know, I found to be the most awful thing. See, this generation today, they're not looking for what a lot of people think they're looking for. Mm-hmm. They're looking for you to be polished. They're not looking for you to be, you know, popular or whatever. They really are looking for the way God designed them. God designed all of us the same way, relational. This generation is searching for truth and and or something as organic as I said earlier, and my story mixed with his his word, man, is the best message you can yeah. ever 
have for young people and then having conversations and being their relation. They're looking for that. They're looking for that. You know, I often ask, you know, I've been a part of youth groups that were 50, 100. I had a 100 member youth group. I've had 50 member youth group. I have 20 member youth group. I've had a 500 member youth group. I've been a pastor of a thousand member youth group and um, all the same, the same principle, just like well, I said, my story mixed with his story and, and the, his word has made me able to really reach young people to this day. And, you know, I w- when I say start small, I wouldn't start with trying to have lights and game room and all of these things. You know, if I had a closet, all they gave me is just a closet at the church and I could only get two or three kids in that closet. We're going to have the best closet okay. youth ministry in the, in, in the yeah. world. And it's going to start with by sitting and just being real and just having relationships and just connecting with these young people. That's what they're looking for, man. Yeah. That's what they want. Um, and, 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 I, and I just believe that we have to stop trying to be so polished and, mm-hmm. and just allow God to just use our story with his story, the word, and that's how you maintain. That's how you have success. And it's not about numbers. You know, it really isn't. It's not about how many people you have in sitting in the chairs in your youth group, a youth ministry, a youth program. No, no. It's about arts, young people now. And I'm thankful for social media. The social media let me know kind of some of the things that we've done 20, 30 years ago. Um, I cannot tell you how many invites I get today from from churches and pastors from that were teenagers when they first heard me or they got born again at a youth camp or in my youth group. They're now pastors and leaders in churches, and they're inviting me to speak uh, and introducing me to their children now. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, that's like, wow. You know, and I'm glad to say that I can, uh, I'm still in. The, I'm still in this, and I'm not looking to be a senior pastor. Um, I'm looking to be obedient to what God's called me to do. That's that's His purpose for my life. Mm, that's so amazing. That that's that you've said a lot of great things. We had a great conversation, but that's Listen. so heavy right there. That you said I'm not looking to be a senior pastor. I'm looking to fulfill God's purpose that He has for my life. And, mm-hmm. and because this is a next-gen network and we're speaking to next-gen leaders, I want every next-gen leader to hear what Pastor Lee just said, that, yeah. that you don't have to um, search for or go after the seat. Where you're sitting is where God wants you to be. And it, it, it's, it's you maximizing where you are. It's, it's you doing God has called you where you are. And so many times we have youth leaders, I think, and I'm, I'm going to go left and come back right. We have a lot of men and women who have left youth ministry to become senior leaders. And I guarantee mm-hmm. they're not as good of senior leaders as they would be youth leaders mm. because they went after the so seat yeah. rather than fulfill the purpose. Right. And I'm, I'm not calling. That's why I'm not calling no names. I'm just saying not everybody, but sometimes people have left youth ministry and that's where we needed you the most. We didn't need you to be a senior pastor. Like, like, like uh-huh. we, we, we needed you to be a youth pastor, the next gen leader, so you can continue growing leaders hereafter, because that senior pastor seat is not for everybody. I feel like it's one of those things where youth ministry is not necessarily um, an intriguing 
position or role within a church. Some people feel like like when I'm in kids ministry or if I'm in youth ministry, that I'm not as important or what I'm doing is not as big as what somebody else is doing. But like one of the things I said a long time ago is we don't have no idea who these kids are when our ministry or these teens are in the ministry. We have no idea what they're going to grow mm-hmm. up to become. So how is that not as big? You know what I mean? How is that not more important? And, and sorry, senior pastors, if you're listening, <laughs> but how is that not more important? Yeah. Because you're talking about the future. It's just as important. The only people right now, Candace, that's upset with you are those that have done that for the wrong reason. So your pastors that are listening and knowing that they're confirming that and and they they're they know. Um I just you know, I rather challenge someone to be obedient than to sit quiet and not say anything about it. Um uh, and that's why some people are in positions, not even just in senior pastor positions, they're in other roles in the church. And that's why young people keep coming to you. That's why that they keep coming to you no matter what position you're in. You're like, why do these teenagers keep asking me? Why do they want to talk to me? It's because you're called yeah. to them. You have to get back to your rightful purpose. Yeah. You get asked questions about how do I deal with my young person? How do I deal with this? I mean, you see something on TV and you just like, it stirs you up. It, it, it makes you angry. It makes you excited. That's because you are called to this generation. Um, you are you. You have no peace. It's because you have not. You got walked away from that call. You feel unprotected. It's because you walked away from that call. You don't feel purpose. It's because you're outside of the call of God on your life. You don't see promises come in the past. It's because you are outside the call. There is a young person right now that need you to be obedient to God. Man. Man, man, like that was. If things keep coming to you, and they keep and they're attracted to you, like you're you're called to them. Like that's so powerful. Like don't get caught up in just one position you're doing at the church. Like you can still serve. That was. I know, man. So with with mission and purpose, um, we we we've talked about purpose, and I think leaders have really uh, gained a lot from understanding what purpose is and how to do that. But as we exit this conversation, uh, Pastor Lee, I really I want to hear your heart on when you know what you're called to do, like how do you put one foot in front of the other and make it like your life's mission to continue doing the work every day, even when you may not work at a church. Or you may have to go to an, another family of faith or another city because you've done work in New York, uh, but you've also been able to spread your your wings across the country. And so you, you ha- you're very versed in just being yeah. mission minded. So when you know your purpose, how do you fulfill the mission, even when you may not be called to the place where you think that mission should be fulfilled? Mm. Wow. Yes, that's a question that um, honestly, I often uh, process and honestly uh i'm gonna say this and it sounds spiritual but it's as powerful as any practical principle i would give you and that is uh god's presence in my life and i keep his presence in my life as i keep his presence in my life no matter where i'm at in location i've been in atlanta i've been in houston i've been in syracuse new york i've been in tulsa oklahoma over the last you know 40 uh 40 plus years and every place I go, 
um, whether I'm starting something from scratch or taking over something or asking me to build something or I wasn't full-time or I was part-time. It was his presence that kept me in that place of pursuing my purpose. And, you know, when God's presence is not uh, a part of who you are, uh, his presence helped me in terms of creativity. His presence helped me strategy. His presence helped me with preaching. His presence helped me with conflict. His presence helped me with challenges, and crisis. Uh, in every area of ministry, God's presence is what I encourage you to stay in his presence. And that purpose gets thicker and richer and more powerful over the years. We're looking for the wrong things sometimes. We're looking for the next great idea. We're looking for the next great strategy. We're looking for the next like cool thing, but it's his presence, as we talked about earlier, is in his word and his promises of his word together. My gosh, man, it's game changer. It's a game changer. Um, that's what's given me longevity. That's what's given me this ability to be still fired up about youth ministry and student ministry and children's ministry, teen ministry, or whatever we want to call it next-gen ministry uh, for 40-plus years, man. It's his promises and his presence, um, which activates his purpose in my life. And it launches me. Sometimes it launches his presence, let me know. I may not be able to do something, but he aligns somebody else up that has the ability to do what I need them to do. You know, they have the giftings to be administratively. They have the giftings to, to do discipleship. You know, I talk about five components of every great youth ministry. And the reason why I'm, I'm confident in this, no matter what city, what size, what place I'm at, is those two things I just mentioned, his promises and his presence. And here are the five, I believe, keys to every great youth ministry. I don't care what, what denomination, how, what size, it doesn't matter. Number one, um, and they're not in chronological order here, it is discipleship, leadership, ownership, mm. worship. And um, the the fifth one is, oh my gosh, my mind just went blank because I'm not actually uh, looking at notes on this. So, so ownership, yeah, yeah, giving yeah. the young people ownership, giving them ownership of the youth ministry. I'm able to do that because I see what God's word says and his presence helped me to navigate that because they call it youth ministry for a reason. It's not you ministry. It's called youth ministry. And so I have this presence to help me do the youth ministry. So ownership is important. Fellowship in the youth ministry is important. Allowing the Holy Spirit to help you, lead you. Fellowship is activities. Those are things that, you know, uh, young people need. They need to mm -hmm. have fun. Sometimes we make it so spiritual that young people don't want to come. And when I allow God's presence in my life and God's presence rest in my youth ministry, you know what? We can have that fellowship, ownership. I talked about the ownership, leadership. Leadership goes both ways. There's a leader that God has called you to be and leaders that God has called to be within your youth ministry with you. Mm -hmm. But also the young people, they're called to be, they got leadership in them. So I believe and I ask God, Lord, show me your word concerning leadership. Show me your word concerning ownership. Show me your word concerning, oh, here's the next one, mentorship. Um, mm -hmm. Lord, show me, Holy Spirit, help me and those who are called to me be mentors in the life of these young people. The, and, and then that, that the fourth one 
uh, that I talked about was um, discipleship. Discipleship. I need his promises and I need his presence to help me to create discipleship. I don't care how much fun you have, how many creative ideas you have, great events you have. If you're not discipling young people, um, then you're failing, period. I don't care if you have a thousand young people showing up. If you're not uh, having discipleship happening where the word of God is being taught, not necessarily preached, but the word of God is the foundation of what is happening, then you're, you're, you're failing. And here's the fifth one, worship, that there, I need his promises, and his, which is his word, and his presence mm-hmm. with, to help me bring the spirit of worship into yeah. where they know the glory goes to God. The glory doesn't go to man. The glory doesn't go to uh, anyone else. It goes to God. His, pre- his promises, his word, and his presence, the Holy Spirit coming in on top of those five principles, I honestly believe I don't care where you are, what you're doing, whether you're inside or out, whether you're small or large, those two things as the foundation on your youth ministry and on your life is how you build a successful, mm-hmm. uh, lasting uh, and timeless youth ministry mm-hmm. today as you would 40, 50 years ago. That's phenomenal. That's some good wisdom. You have dropped a lot of good wisdom uh, with us today. And I'm just, I'm grateful for for you being willing to be a part of this conversation. I'm grateful for the role even that you play within Boone. And I'm grateful for the role that you play in my life. Uh, Because, you know, when I first reached out to you about helping us on this Boone journey, you didn't really know me like that. You know, you prayed about it and, but I felt, and I didn't really know you well either, but I felt like it was a God thing. And I, I'm, I'm just grateful for your, your wisdom in this conversation today. Uh, it's, this has been, listen, this is, <laughs> I'm going to shut up because. So, so I, I know you've been doing ministry 40, 41 years. You probably have a lot of people you've mentored. You probably have a lot of sons and daughters in ministry. So I'm, I'm not even submitting the application nor asking. You just, you, you now you have another one. <laughs> You have another one. So uh, I check. I still have your number. And so I'm going to text you. So we're going to set up some time. We can talk at least once a month, once every other month, because I, I need all that in my life. So uh, I'm, I'm deboying my way into your life. That, that's, that's how it's happening. Awesome, man. I'm, I'm, it's my pleasure. And Candace is my my heart. I'm excited what God is doing in your life and this ministry. I'm a part of, as I told you, um, um, I I'm I'm as excited now as I was when I was 16 years old, mm-hmm. accepting this call in my life, and I'm I'm proud of you. I'm proud of your obedience. I'm proud of your, um, you know, your push, you know. And my brother Robert, man, we, we you're from Houston too, right? Originally, are you from Houston? Yes, sir. You, I'm from I'm from the South Side. Yeah, so yep. you're from the South Side. So, yeah. man, we were, you know, we were born for this. We were born not only for this, but to be together. So, God just, you know, took His time bringing our paths together here we are. And so, yep. man, I, I look forward to connecting with you and, and, um, and man, just talking, talking ministry mm-hmm. and life as Absolutely. well. Talking ministry. Absolutely. And life. Absolutely. So everyone, if you're, if you're, if you want to get a copy of Pastor Lee's book, map your life, how to get from here to there, we'll link it in the show notes for you to have access to it until next time. Thank you for being a part of this journey and we'll holler at you later. Bye.